don't know how to say exactly how I feel. I can't begin to tell you what your love has meant. I'm lost for words. Is there a way to show the passion in my heart? Can I express how truly great I think you are, my dearest friend? Lord, this is my desire to pour my love on. Show the passion in my heart. Can I express how truly great I think you are, my dearest friend? Lord, this is my desire to pour my love on.
Amen. That was very, very beautiful. Amen. It's good to see all your smiling faces and I'm Nato, where are you? <laughs> what a great song we sang earlier, and what a blessing it is to be here with the saints. And we miss you guys so much that are on vacation, and we can't wait for you to return and praise God for vacations. All those that are on, we thank God that we can rest and relax and get recharged. That was a beautiful song that John Yvette sung, and then prior to that, what a day it will be when we see our Jesus, and I was thinking Dean was going to steal my message as he started praying and talking about that song, because that song really fits the message today, and praise God. Let's pray before we begin. Lord Jesus, we do thank you that it's a beautiful day that's coming, that wonderful day when we do get to see you face to face, and we can't wait for that day to come. And for those that aren't ready, Lord, we just pray from our hearts that they would become ready, that they would make a decision, that when that day comes, they won't be surprised because they are left behind. And we pray that, and we pray that you would bless your word and that you would encourage us with your word in your name. Amen. I was um, not feeling 100% last night. Um, I came home and I, I made a drink because I, I didn't feel 100%. I had a hard day at work. It was long and, and I, I made a smoothie. I love smoothies today. I'm just kind of involved with them. So I get out my little smoothie maker and I put in a couple bananas and some strawberries and some kind of juice and, of course, some honey because I love honey, and I did something that was foreign to me. I went in the refrigerator and grabbed some green stuff, <laughs> some broccoli, and I threw that in there, and boy, what a drink was that. And I put a lot in there, and I drank that thing, and boy, I feel great today, Adol. <laughs> so praise God for broccoli. <laughs> but we're going to... Um, Look at something that is precious to all of us, and we're going to talk about the message being just a little longer. And I want to introduce this message because I was reading in the scriptures, we're going to be in John chapter 14, so we can all go there. But, you know, if we look at that passage, we're actually noticing if we check it out and we just read the passages. And John, it just goes on for days and days and days of Jesus talking to the apostles about what's going to happen and all the things that he's anticipating before he goes to Gethsemane. It's amazing, these three chapters in John, starting in basically in John 13, where the Lord talks about the, um, the Lord's Supper, and then he washes the disciples' feet. But I was thinking about this being a farewell speech, because that's what it was. He had been on earth for years with the apostles. He had been showing them the keys to the kingdom and showing them about what a great God he was and what the Lord had in store for those on earth. And he was showing them a glimpse of heaven. And then what happened was is he actually told them 
that I'm getting ready to go away. So it was like a farewell speech. So I wanted to see, because I want to understand about farewell speeches. So I went in and looked and Googled it. Everybody's the Googlers now. And I looked up the famous people who were, had great farewell speeches. And I went to different websites, and they all listed the same people. Abraham Lincoln, which, of course, he's a great speaker. And then even Queen Elizabeth, they even mentioned her. And they mentioned a couple of the great leaders, like MacArthur. Some great men and women, just their speeches, their final speeches. So I read one by Lou Gehrig, too. And they say that when Lou Gehrig, he got disease, and we've heard about the Lou Gehrig disease, or what is it called? Yeah, Lou Gehrig disease. And he was a famous baseball player, for those who don't know about Lou Gehrig. And it says that he fought back the tears because on July 4th, 1939, they had a recognition in honor of this man. And he was dying because of a degenerate disease. And it says that he fought back the tears as he spoke, calling himself the luckiest man on earth. And it says that there was not a dry eye in the stadium of 61,000 people. And he went on to speak, and it touched many hearts. And then I read one by Abraham Lincoln. And this is before he went, because he had failed so many times, and he's now going to be president of the United States. And he left behind family and friends, and he gave a speech. And one of the things he says is, I now leave not knowing when or where, whether ever I may return. He said, with a task for me greater than that which rested upon Washington. And then he mentioned, without the di divine being's help, he doesn't know how he could succeed. But I didn't see my Lord Jesus. I didn't see this speech. The greatest man to walk the earth, the greatest farewell, and it wasn't a speech. It was a farewell banquet. He delivered the greatest message ever to come to earth. And it didn't show up in Google. But it shows up in the Bible. And if we go, we can start off, and let's just go to 13, John 13, 33, and start there. So, little children, I'm with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, now I say also to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. He's giving them a message. This is his farewell to his disciples, and this is what I want you to understand, disciples. I'm leaving, but I have a message for you. This is what I want you to do. You need to love one another so that they see the love of Christ in you, and they're drawn to me. And he was powerful in that message. He took them to the upper room, and before he even gave this message, he washed their feet. The king of kings and lord of lords bowed down to wash their feet. And then he gives them this message, I'm leaving, and you can't go. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? 
Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. And one of the versions, it says that Peter looked over at John and he signaled him. What does he mean by that? And John leaned on him and asked him. Because he also mentioned that he was going to, there was a betrayer. And he was curious about who the betrayer was. Because the disciples were told, told somebody's going to betray me. So John leaned back and basically asked Jesus, who's going to betray me? But we won't go there to talk about that. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. That's where chapter 13 ends. But I read some writers that said there shouldn't even be a chapter break there. Because think about it. Think about what happened there. If we read through that, we don't really get the message. Little children, my fellow disciples, my followers, I'm going to be with you a little while longer, and then I'm leaving. You ever lost a best friend? Somebody really close to you ever leave you? How does it feel? They were brokenhearted. They were told that one of them is going to deny them. They were told that their best friend, the one that showed the love of Christ to them, that they walked with for three years, was leaving them, and they were discouraged in their hearts. They were dying of anxiety. They were hurt. They were burdened. They were hurting. What do you mean, Lord, you're leaving us? You were the only one that gave us the truth. We thought you were going to do this. You're going to bring the kingdom. We thought it was going to be here on earth. We thought all these things, all these things were going through their head. And Jesus said, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm going away. They were hurting. They were sad. And then chapter 14 begins. It's not a new chapter. It's an extension of 13. He comforts them. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He says, I'm going away but I'm coming back to bring you to take you with me. So you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then Jesus, the famous verse that we quote so much, don't we? We quote it so much because it's a special verse. It's the verse that should be in history books. This whole passage, this whole third, four chapters, it should be the message, the farewell message of the century, where Jesus says to them, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
He says, don't you worry about it. Just believe in me. That's how you get to come with me. Believe in me. Now, Christ began to talk about his death earlier in the chapters where he says, except a grain fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Hmm. Martin Luther called this section the best and most comforting sermon preached by Jesus while on the earth. A jewel and a treasure not purchasable with the world's goods. That's our point, our first point. Jesus' farewell address in the upper room. He got together with his disciples and he told them, this is what's going to happen. It was a farewell address of just staggering proportions. And the second point that we're going to deal with today is Jesus said, believe in me and stop worrying. I was reading a quote and it says, it hurts more to have belief pulled than to have a tooth. And no intellectual Novocaine is available. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. What was he saying? He said to them, stop worrying and believe in me. How many times do we worry today? How much does Satan get in the way and cause us to really doubt our Lord? He says it boils down to one thing. If you don't want to be troubled, don't let your heart start becoming troubled. He was saying, stop letting your heart be distracted. He was saying, believe in me. He was saying, trust me. If you really trust God, you won't worry. And that's convicting, isn't it? Think about it honestly. I worry, which means I don't trust. He says the first thing that he tells to the, talks to the uh, disciples about and comforts them with these words, simple words, and they easily can be, we can be distracted from understanding them. He says the simple thing to do is to believe. Believe what? Believe in me. Trust me. Do we trust him today? If we trust him, we won't worry. I worry. At times I worry. Do we worry? The reason that despite disciples became anxious is because they did one thing. They took their eyes off of him, and he was trying to let them understand and help them to see that in order for you to deal with this life that you have here, keep your eyes on me. So he told them, trust me. Don't look away. Don't be distracted. A writer was saying their dreams and their desires were unraveling. The gloomy prospect of Christ dying and leaving them was terrifying. They were convinced he was the Messiah, but they had envisioned him as an illustrious conqueror. Their hopes had risen high when Jesus went riding into Jerusalem as everyone placed palm branches in his path and cried, Hosanna, son of David. 
If we're discontent, if we're anxious, if we're dealing with anything, I have just one remedy. I can't just give you this whole dissertation. I can't list all these things. Just trust him. He said, just trust me. Please, he says, just trust me. Put your faith in me. Don't put your faith in anything else. Isn't it easy that we take our eyes off of Christ and we get distracted and we don't trust him? Look at how often we don't trust our God. He told the disciples simply, don't be discouraged. Trust me. I'm worthy of your trust. I'm worthy of your faith. I'm worthy of your recognition. I love you. I care for you. And I want you to, to be happy, to be joyful, to be at peace. He says, my peace I give you. The world can't even come close to giving you this peace that I give you. But you must trust me. Do we trust him today? There's a barometer that, that basically shows if we trust him. And the barometer is worry. If we're worrying, we're not trusting. It's real simple. John 16, 22 says, so with you now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. The great encourager, put your faith in me. Do we trust him? Do you trust him? If you trust him, hallelujah. If we don't trust him, may these words encourage us, just like it encouraged the disciples, to trust him. And we will not have the anxiety or the trouble. Now let's move on because that really isn't the point. You just set up points. Number three is we're going home. And that's the point. That's where it all boils down, isn't it? We're going home. It's just a little while longer. We are going home, folks. And it's just a little while longer. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for who? For you. For you, for me. He didn't just say, just believe. Believe what? I'm going to prepare a place for you. Believe that. I'm going to the cross right now to die. Yes, I'm going away. Yes, I'm leaving. Yes, it's going to be all over. I won't see you. But I will return for you. Believe that. Believe that. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, I was reading about dwelling places. And one of the writers said that the way the Israelites lived back then, when you're talking about dwelling places, when a son became married, the father would add a wing to his house. When another son married, another wing was added onto the house. Eventually, the original dwelling would become a set of dwellings that enclosed a patio in the middle. All the relatives lived around that patio. So Jesus wasn't talking about a, 
tenement house, but a complete dwelling place surrounding a central patio. We will be dwelling, we will have dwellings attached to the Father's house, right in the same house with the Father. Can we see that? Can we imagine being around him? It's not like I'm on the, there's the east side and the west side and the north side and the south side. Where do you live? I live on the south side. I live on the east side. No. I live right there with my God. Right there. I look out of my window and I see him right in the middle, sitting right there, right there. Dwelling places, right close to the king. I'm not living down the street. I'm not living on the east side somewhere where I got to take a cab to get to my God. No, I see him. And I'm thankful for that. An Austrian, Australian engineer calculated there will be 2258 square miles of heaven. He says, just to give you a reference point, London has 140 square miles. At the ratio of the population in, in London, the heavenly city could hold 100 billion people. It could hold even more than 30 times the population of our world right now and still have plenty of room to share, to spare. Now, that's many dwelling places. But are you going to one? He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Who? Thomas says, how do we get there? He says, by believing on me. So if you don't believe in me, you are not going. And he said it sweetly and gently, but he said it. He says, how can I find the way to the kingdom? He says, by believing on me. I'm going up there to de develop a property and a beautiful place for you. And if that doesn't encourage us today, we're in trouble. For each one of us, he is up there creating a special dwelling place for each one of us. Look at the dwelling places we have here. Some of you interior designers are great. You're great. I go over Gina's house and I was like, wow, this looks like heaven. It does. It's sweet. It's sweet in their house. I go to family's houses and, and it's just, wow, sweet. You walk in Ado's house and it's sweet. There's a room of sweetness in the house. What about my dwelling place in heaven that Jesus prepared for me? It's going to be sweeter than anything we ever imagined. And he says, be encouraged by these words. Be encouraged by this message. Be encouraged that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Stop worrying about earth. Be done with earth. I'm coming. My wife was talking to me. She might not like that I'm going to share this, but she said it a couple times to me. She said, I don't want to go to radiation anymore. And I understand it. I don't want to go anymore. I don't want to fight anymore. You talk to Jessica, do you want to go down in that tank? Oh, yes. I can't wait to go down in that tank. Give me a break. We don't want to go anymore, do we? Let's put our hands up. Do you want to go anymore? Steve, do you want to deal with this anymore? Rochelle, do you want to deal with this anymore? Do we want to deal with it anymore? He says, no, just a little while longer, and I'm coming for you. He said, just a little while longer. Hold on 
Don't worry. Be encouraged. Hold on. In a little while, I'm coming to comfort you, to take you by the hand. It says, Jesus is coming. He's not sending somebody. Let's go down the list and let's figure out who we're going to send for the children. No, I'm coming back for you. And I'm going to take you by the hand and I'm going to say, okay, it's over. Come into the kingdom. Do we believe that? If we don't believe that, how can we be encouraged today? I can't be encouraged. you got to be kidding. How could I be encouraged and go out in the world and fight this world and deal with all these issues and not see my father and believe that fact that my God is coming to take me to be with him one day, and that day is soon. So just a little while. Hold on, Ron. Just a little bit more. Just hold on a little bit more, Ron. Just a little tighter. Don't worry. I'm coming. What about you? The Lord says to you right now, hold on just a little while longer. I'm coming. I'm going to take you to be with me. And where am I going to take you? Well, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, it says, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. No humans even touched it. I read a story about a, a guy who was basically building a home, and the rich man came to the guy and says, you know, I want you to build a home for me. And the guy, the contractor, you know what he did? He said, well, you know, this is a rich guy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to build a house, and I'm going to cut the cost a little bit and use inferior products. So he used inferior products. He built a, a house that looked good on the outside, but it was built with nothing inside, really, because it was a fraud. It was a fake. It wasn't really quality, and he represented it as quality. And the, new, the, the rich man came in. He was a rich man, a kind man. And he came in, and he looked at the house and said, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for your work. Here's the keys. It's your house. I'm glad I'm not building my house in heaven, that my God is building my house. And he's not using inferior products, guys. No way in the world. It's all going to be the best of everything. Everything. And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you and for me. I read a story where there was a widely respected man known as Uncle Johnson, and he lived in Michigan, and he was 120. He says, one day while he was at work in his garden, I'm not sure what he was doing in his garden at 120, <laughs> but bless, bless him. And his pastor was passing by, and he looked over the fence at Uncle Johnson, and Uncle Johnson was happy today. <laughs> That's staggering. 120, happy, he says, Yes, I was just thinking, said the old man. Thinking about what, questioned the pastor. Oh, I was just thinking about if the crumbs of joy that fall from the master's table in this world are so good, what will the great loaf of glory be like? He said, the crumbs that my God gives me now are so good, what's it going to be like when the loaf is presented to me in heaven? Can we get that? 
He says, I tell you, sir, it won't be enough for everyone. It'll be too much. Be tons to spare. If we don't get that, that's why I say, what do you mean a message? <laughs> Give me a break. A farewell message. This is the farewell message that everybody needs to read, especially believers. Every day, this message that Jesus gave was his farewell message telling his disciples, I'm going away. I'm going to die for you. And this is what you have in store for you. Do you believe? Then you'll be encouraged. If you don't believe, how can you be encouraged? He says, believe. Just a little while, and I'm coming. Last point is, the question really boils down to, do you know the way? Do you know the way? Do you know the Savior? That's the ticket. Do you have the ticket? Do you have the ticket? Do you know the way? He, he wrote this passage because he wants us to know the way. He could have left that out. He says, I want you to know the way. And then he give a long dissertation on the way. We're asking, what is the way? He says, well, Lord, where are you going? Thomas said to him. And how can we know the way? Jesus didn't say, well, you know what? Hmm. Let's spend about five hours discussing the way. Let me tell you the points that you have to do. You have to do this. 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 And then maybe you will find the way. Turn right here. Turn left here. Go down this street four miles and then go up. 20 miles and make a little left turn, right turn, and then make sure you see that grocery store in the corner. And when you see that Uncle Ted's corner or grocery store, you make a right right there, and you're right there. You found the way. No, he didn't say anything, nothing to that effect. One thing, he said, I am the way. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, by believing in me. He said, this is your ticket. I'm the ticket. Wait a minute. What do we have to do? I bet they asked him, what is the way to win? But I'm a little good. I'm, I've been really, really good, Lord. What else do I have to do? He said, I'm the way. All you have to do is believe in me. And that's why that verse people read all the time. And we do. We read them all the time. And some people in here, maybe you don't know the Lord today, and you probably heard the verse. It's so wonderful. For God so loved the world, loved us so much that he said, my son, I'm going to send to earth to pay the price for your sins. Why? So that all who believe in him will not perish. Will not what? Will not lose out on heaven. That's what he said. You can gain entrance into heaven. If you don't gain entrance into heaven, you are going to perish in your sins. You're going to die in your sins. You're going to go to the word that nobody wants to hear, to hell. 
you will be separated from me in hell forever. But I have built paradise for you because I don't want you to go to hell. And he made it simple. He says, I am the truth, the life. I'm, just come to me. Just believe in me. And he's been saying that for thousands of years now. Some people have been listening to this word and listening to this message. And they say, no. I don't believe. I don't believe. What God would send people to hell. I know for a fact, because I love my God so much, that when those who go to hell, they'll know they deserve to go to hell. At that moment, when they look into his eyes, they will say, I deserve to go to hell because I had an opportunity. And I said, no, no thanks. I don't want to confess with my mouth. I don't want to believe in my heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. I don't want to believe it. I don't buy it. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. I don't buy that. I don't believe it. They'll get it in heaven. Really not in heaven. They won't make it. But when they see the Lord, they'll, they'll get it. They'll get why they don't get to go to heaven. read something where a person was saying that non-Christians often ask Christians, but how can God, the God of love, allow any of his creatures to suffer unending misery? The question is, how can he not? The fact that God is love makes hell necessary. It's not this is the way of distressing the fact that the very God who loves us is the one who respects our decisions. He loves us, but he does not force us to love him. To force love is to commit assault. He allows us to decide. He loves us and he encourages us to respond. He woos us. He pursues us. He urges us, but he does not force us. Because he respects us. He respects you. And that's why he's not going to force you. But he loves you. But he's pursuing you. He's urging you. But he will not force you. So anyone here today who wants to go to heaven, I can't force you. If he can't force you, what am I going to do? Make you feel guilty? No, I can't. Just to show you the love of Christ, just to show you what heaven has for you, just to show you that you have the option of going is all that I can do through his scripture and to tell you about the most wonderful farewell, farewell speech ever given where Jesus is telling his disciples and telling us as well, there's a place that I have for you. There's a life that I have for you. And we know the verse where it talks about how we will 
see him face to face in heaven. And it says that he will what? He will wipe away all of our tears. It says that he will. And I heard a voice from heaven and the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men. And he will live with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them. And be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And he, then he says later in that couple verses later, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. And still many people say no. No thanks. No thanks. I was reading a, a story and it was a story told by a man who says that his dad used to tell him of a father who dropped off his little boy at the street corner and told him he would be back in 20 minutes after taking care of some business. The father's car broke down. And he wasn't able to get back to his son for four or five hours. The son waited at the corner by the store that whole time. And a panicky father, because that's what a father would be or a mother. You'd be panicking, your son, your daughter, waiting for you. You said 20 minutes, and it's been five hours. Didn't get back until 11 o'clock at night. And the boy was rocking back and forth on the sidewalk, whistling a tune. Just rocking back and forth. And the father pulled up to the curb and hugged his son and said he was very, very sorry. The boy replied, what are you sorry about? You said you were coming. That's the kind of trust we can put in the Lord. He said he's coming back. It may look like it's becoming dark around us and that he may have forgotten. But he hasn't forgotten. We can still trust his promise to return. He is getting heavy heaven ready for us and he's coming to get us he said encourage them with these words are we encouraged by those words behold I tell you a mystery we will not all sleep but we will be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. The farewell address that no one can come close to. Jesus telling his children, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Trust me. I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. Do we get that he's coming back? Do we believe that he's coming back? Do we see that he's coming back? Do we understand that our God is coming back? Do we really fathom that? Do we really get that? He looks just in a little while, just a little while longer. Hold on just a little while. Hold on tight. Do not put your stakes in the ground so deep on earth that you don't understand 
that I'm coming back for you. Do not let this world deceive you. I have overcome this world and you have too in me. Don't worry about your troubles. Loved ones gone, if they're in heaven, you will reunite, you reunite with them. Chuck, you will see Mary again in heaven. And you'll be sitting right beside her, looking over and saying, wow, 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 we made it. And Jesus will come by and he'll wipe the tears away and he will hold our hand. And he'll say, you're here. Welcome home, my son, my daughter. You made it. I told you I was coming. I told you I'd be here. I told you you would be with me. I told you I'd wipe away every tear. I told you there would be no more sadness, no more death, no more pain, no more anything. It's over. It's finished. It's done. You're home. Let's go and make this kingdom special because you're here now. I've been waiting for you. I couldn't wait to see you. I've been talking about you. I've been encouraging you. I've been loving you up here. I've been praying for you. I've been doing all these things to encourage you because I love you so much. And now I get to show you. Now you get to see me. Now we get to hold hands. Now I get to show you the truth. Now you get to experience heaven. He says, just a little while longer. Hold on. Hold on, Christian. Please hold on. We need to see heaven daily. Anticipate it. Long for it. Expect it. Believe it. Amen to that? Now, anybody here today, you... He says, I, I won't force you. And that's love. I won't make you. And that's love. I'll just encourage you. I'll just tug. I'll just pull. I'll just love you. But I do want to see you in heaven because I want to see you with me. And he's not willing that anybody not make it. That's why there's many dwelling places. There's room for all of us. That's the kind of God we have. Today, you can get a ticket if you don't know him. And all you have to do is what? Just believe. Believe you're a sinner. Because if you don't believe you're a sinner, why would you need a savior? You should believe you're a sinner. Believe you're separated. Believe he died for you. Believe he died for you. Believe he loves you. Believe he's coming back for you. But know that you have to make a decision to say, yes, I do, I will come into my heart. So let's bow our heads and anybody who wants to have the Lord come into their heart, all you have to do is put your hand up and down real quickly and, and I'll just pray and we will go home and be hopefully all taken to heaven when the Lord comes. Is there anybody here today that wants to give their life to Jesus and say, yes, come into my heart, change me, rescue me, deliver me. I want to go to heaven. 
Anybody? Well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that we pray that your word was what you intended it to be, that you stirred hearts the way you intended them to be stirred. You delivered a message that you intended to be delivered. You affected lives the way you intended them to be affected. And I pray for anyone here today, Lord, that doesn't truly know you, that they would really understand that there's no way of to get to heaven except through you. And please, help them to see the truth and not be blinded by the lie. And for all the wonderful believers here and all around the world and everywhere, Lord, praise God that you're going to return shortly to take us to be with you. You're the great encourager, and you encourage us with these words, and you want us to know that you're coming back for us. And you're going to take us to be with you, and that we'll see you face to face, and we will be in heaven, in paradise forever. And there will be no pain, no suffering, no tears, no agony, no sin, no flesh, no devil. And that day is coming soon, and we praise you for messages like this, Lord, that you give us in your word. And we ask that your word just would encourage us and bless us and lift our spirits to the highest so that while we're here and until you return, that you would use us in a mighty way. Bless us. Use us. Do what you need to do in each one of us. Make us great men and women of God so that the kingdom can be shared with others so that others can be drawn to you, Lord Jesus, by the love we show to each other. Change us, Lord Jesus. Make us men and women of God so that we can live effective lives, happy lives, encouraged lives, hopeful lives, and the world can see that and be moved by it and be drawn to you, our wonderful Savior. What a God you are, please. Encourage us with these words in your wonderful, holy, precious name. Amen.